Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have the you have the good crystal. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> you I can tell you 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 learn from this is this is every <laughs> this pattern. Is this Waterford? Is that what this is? I might be. I don't Waterford crystal. Probably. Yeah, I, I guarantee it. Um, I, I usually take labels and stuff off, but I don't yeah, know. this is my 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 mom had these. My mom had the. That's when you knew somebody important. Like uh, otherwise, it was just the glasses and shit that were in the cap. In the oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when people were like, when people that she was like, these people we need to impress. So in our household, there was exactly what you were talking about—the Waterford yeah. Yeah, yeah, glasses—and yeah. it was the short ones, the long ones. Yeah, yeah. And they were always kept in their box yes. at the very top cabinet. Yes. And then. If it was just like regular hangout stuff happening, yeah, yeah. it was like, remember when like Jack Daniels or these other <laughs> yeah. companies would give you free glasses? When yeah, you yeah. Would like a buy a gift set. It was a Christmas gift set. Yeah, yeah. Like Costco yeah. would have them and yeah. other places. So our house and pretty much everybody else's house was full of these glasses all the time. Yeah. Uh, we they had, were halfway decent. Yeah, they, were, they weren't bad. They, they, they had well, like whatever you were serving. Like if, my, if we had, you know, Johnny Walker Black. The glasses would have the, the, the guy, the walker. Yeah. Right? The guy will have it on the... So that was kind of fancy too. Like, oh, we're, we're serving it the same glass. And then like I could tell like when it was just like regular people coming, like just regular friends. Yeah. Like it would be that gas station like Dallas Cowboys that you got for... Like you got a set of four glasses if you put 10 gallons of gas in your car. <laughs> like they had this thing. I don't know about LA, but here. I don't know. We, no, I don't remember it ever being an LA thing, but they did other things like that in LA. Yeah, here it's like Exxon. If you had like... <laughs> if, you, if you got... Eight gallons of gas. You had a four set of like Dallas Cowboys commemorative glasses, and like people come over like put the beer in the Dallas Cowboy glass. I'm like, oh, these are regular folk. Yeah, <laughs> not, these not, people not are not fancy people. These people are not special at all. And then like when that like my mom would like be wiping out the inside because it's been in the box, wiping these Waterford crystal glasses out. I'm like, oh, I wonder who's coming over. Yeah, like, <laughs> like oh, these are they're from India. That new. I'm like, all right. Trying to impress them. I got you. I like your style. It, there was always like that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you'd have to wear certain clothes when those people came. Oh, yeah, yeah. You had, uh, we had, uh, my mom would say, I know you got the same thing. My mom would like, we'd go shopping for like school clothes or whatever. And she'd buy a pair. She's like, you don't, don't wear these everywhere. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. These, these are your nice shoes. These are your nice shoes. And this is your nice shirt. This is your nice pants. Like, you know, why did you wear these to school today? Who was, who was there? Well, the Pope came to see you? Is that why? I'm like, what? Why the Pope? My mom would just go like obscure like celebrities. Not like, the same sense of humor. <laughs> Your mom had a hell of a sense of humor. She, the, she the dirtier the better. That's which just is, hilarious. Which is really, really interesting because in Punjabi culture, it's usually the men that are off in the corner. I know how it is with Armenians. Like the men are over there like doing the dirty jokes and the limericks and all that stuff. Usually, yeah, it's the guys. And then the women are over there just doing the regular gossip of over this girl and this, that lady and this whatever. My mom was like, there was a, there was a, a doctor Dr. Chandra, he was a doctor here in Medical City in Dallas, and he had a wicked sense of humor, man. He was innuendo for days, and it was so good, and I caught it every time. And my mother thought uh, he was the funniest human being. And then, like, she would, so uh, on Mother's Day, I went up to Dallas Comedy Club just so I could do my mom's two favorite jokes. Shout out to DCC. Yeah, they're the best. Uh, but I went up and did... Uh, I was like, can I just get seven minutes, eight minutes? I think my whole set was seven minutes and 50 seconds or whatever. And I recorded it because I just wanted to do her two favorite jokes. Okay. Because I go, you're not going to believe me when I do them. And I do, and they're just so dirty. And my mom would do that. My mom did that thing where uh, she would laugh so hard because she knew the punchline was coming. Right. 
that she almost couldn't get to the so by the like I think I heard that joke 15 times before I ever heard the punchline because I just get so frustrated. She'd be laughing so hard, tears coming out. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear this anymore. Dude, like, I have a buddy <laughs> like that. Whenever he's telling a funny yeah. story that he like knows is mentally remembering that yeah. he knows it. Like right when it's at the cusp of where it's supposed to be hilarious, yeah. he'll lose it. He loses his mind. He'll yeah. just like turn tomato red, yep. laughing as hard as he yep. can, and then he'll have to literally just like calm himself. Down That's it. Like, that, that was my mom. So but, my mom did that thing where she silent laughed. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, where she's like, like she's laughing so, but there's no sound coming out, and I'd just be sitting there like, get to the, get to the punchline. But it's so funny when my buddy does it because yeah. it it, it kind of ramps everybody up because you start yes. giggling with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when he takes that breath, you just laugh even harder. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So I, so when I finally heard the punchline of the joke, I was like, "All right." The lead up was so much better. You know Sometimes I mean? it is. Sometimes the way you, uh, someone is, like, and I always do the joke. Story is just I always funny. do the joke was going to be really good. Is if like she's like, "Okay, so let me tell you about," and then yeah. right there, I'm like, "Okay, we're not going to get anywhere near the end of this joke." And she, would, I, I would just tell her, "I'm like, you can," and she couldn't stop laughing. And I just go, "Okay, you can be done." My dad. We always go, you know, you're a very good comedian, but you use bad language. I'm like, yeah, but it's, I'm not, it's, it's for emphasis. I know, but still, it, you don't have to say F word all the time. And I'm like, why is she doing it? <laughs> like, like, my mom's like, she says, have you heard, I don't listen to her jokes either. They're so dirty. I'm like, it's so hilarious to me because it was the exact opposite of, of like uh, all these uncles that would be like, Gosh, come here. You're doing stand-up, right? All right. So there's these three hookers in, in Quebec. And you're like, all right, I don't know where this is coming. My dad's like, I'll go get us some beers. And he yeah. would leave. So he didn't have to hear the three hookers from Quebec joke. And I'm like. Oh, my God. Your dad was yeah. like. He's like, no, I'm going to go over there for the. Like, did not like it at all. That is the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. he. Well, he I got to. Luckily, this many years ago, it was with uh, Ahmed Ahmed from. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Access People. We relaunched the, the tour. And uh, we did the Majestic. Uh, it was Next Generation of Evil. Uh, and Ahmed was the, the host. And then it was a couple of us, like uh, Amir K and Kayvon and myself. Um, I don't know Kayvon. I know Amir K's name. Amir K. Uh, there was a couple of us that did it. Fahim Anwar. Um, I know his name. Yeah. So we were at the Majestic. And so we got to, like, my dad came to that. Cool. And so uh, and it was packed. It was really nice. And <laughs> I saw him the next day. I was like, I'll take you to lunch. I was going back to L.A. I was like, let me take you to lunch. I got to fly back to L.A. tonight and go to lunch. And I'm like, was, the show was very good. I was like, thanks. You enjoyed it? He's like, yeah, everybody did so good job. Do you guys uh, in the back, do you say all those things like that? F word this, F word that. I'm like, that's what you took away from it? We sold out the Majestic. Like, <laughs> like that, but that, you're taking that part away? <laughs> I'm just, I don't know if you just talk like that all the time. And then my mom would be like, this bitch, you don't understand. This bitch is crazy. And I'm like, mom, dad's, dad's coming. I'm like, okay, I'll stop using the lingo. <laughs> <laughs> so you had like polar opposites. Growing 100%. Up. That's so awesome. And so like I got the very like, I, I, I like to think that my, my jokes are clever and, and well put together. I got the analytical side from, from my dad on, on, on sentence structure, basically. Uh, and then like the, the, the quick-wittedness. My mom was very, very fast, very quick-witted, very... Uh, easy with the punchline, and she knew, like, she knew a good joke. Okay. My dad, like, loved, like, old, like, the Stooges, like, slapstick. Like, he liked that kind of stuff. Like, he liked, uh, he liked the misdirection. And my mom is like, punchline, and the dirtier the better. That is the coolest thing ever. Yeah, man. Especially when his mom, it's usually dad that's like that. Oh, yeah, so she was like, I have a joke. She would look around for my dad. She's like, okay, come here. 
Oh my god, she's like, okay, there's these three. Nuns. I'll tell you the I'll tell you the joke. Okay. There's these three nuns. I'm like, all right. They uh, they're in Vatican City, and I was like, all right, that's where they should be. All right. I was like, okay. So the first nun goes in, and she said, that she goes to the Pope. She says, Father, I have a confession. The Pope says, what? She goes, uh, Father, I've seen a man's penis. I was okay. Go outside and wash your eyes in holy water. The next man comes. The next nun comes in. Says, uh, "Father, I've touched a man's penis. So go outside and wash your hands in holy." And then she starts laughing. Like, here we go. And then the third nun <laughs> comes in. She whispers in the Pope's ear. And then she walks outside and she looks at the other two nuns and says, "Move over, bitches! I have to gargle." <laughs> <laughs> And I remember, oh. like, she, she would tell it all the time. My dad, distinctly, <clears throat> they were sitting there, they were having tea, and my mom and my dad, and she's like, do you remember that three nuns joke? I was like, yeah, you should do it on stage. I was like, how does it go? And my dad's like, I'll be back. I don't want to hear this nonsense. <laughs> Have you ever done any of her jokes on stage? That's the one. I've done, You've I've done, done that one I've on done stage. that one. I, I've done that one on stage. Just the way you were telling it, I, I started cracking up. Before yeah. you gave me the punchline, because yeah. I imagined your mom telling you and laughing, dying. Yeah, yeah. Getting yeah. to that point. Yeah, I, I, that was probably the tenth time I heard that joke before I got before I found out what the punchline was. That is so forever. I was trying to figure out what the punchline was in my head. I'm like, what did the third done say? Because she would get the third done, and just, that, that was it. Like your friend, just bright red. Yeah, my mom real, was real fair skin, so when she laughed, like her cheeks would get like like Santa Claus, like the paintings you see of Santa Claus, the drawings you see with like the big rosy cheeks. That was my mom. Yeah, my buddy has lighter complexion than I do. I yeah, yeah. My so. mom would. Everybody thought my mom was white. Okay. And, and then my dad was Indian. And uh, like she go, she she would get so she was, because back then you know for them like the lighter your skin was, because of British rule for four hundred fifty years. So if you, even if you listen to our music, we're like what's going on there, fair skin girl? And I'm like, who's this song about? Right. Like, <laughs> it's like look at that girl with the blue eyes. I'm like, who? Where where is this girl? Like, who are you singing to? <laughs> I can hear all these like Punjabi songs and Hindi songs like you know this really light skinned girl with the blue eyes is walking I'm like who's is who's, that the majority white? of your music too yeah, like, yeah yeah I feel like the majority of my country's music is about the girl that they love or love yeah, yeah, or yeah. continue to love yeah yeah well, because it's all arranged marriages and so they they like none I'm, of not ours all of are it. yeah oh you you guys don't do the no, arranged marriages not at all really yeah oh interesting I mean there are you know Typical mom and mom, same neighborhood. Oh my well, god! Well, that's an arranged marriage, here? right? But there is no arrangement if the two don't like each other at all. Like they'll just yeah. be like, "Hey, remember so and so's daughter? She grew up," and you'd be like, "Yeah, but you know, she grew up into something I don't like." And they'd be like, "Okay, cool." Oh no, no, no. So there's no like... introduction or showing each. No, it's just like the mom will literally at dinner be like, "Hey, remember so and so's daughter?" And you're like, "Yeah." Well, she's back from Russia, and you're like, yeah, I saw her two weeks ago. She looks like a gargoyle. Thanks. <laughs> like, just kind of, yeah, but no, it ends there. You guys, it's more like, yeah, this, no, this I is have who a, you will be marrying. I have, I have a, a friend of mine and his cousin. There's a whole Netflix show about this, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the matchmaker. Yes, lady, yeah. the Indian matchmaker. Yeah, uh, but that, that's, that's new. Like, back then, they're like, back then, like, there wasn't a choice. Like, they're like, that's, we've already talked to their parents, that's who you're marrying. Yeah, right? so none of that so, stuff. It, it, like, there's a, there's a friend of mine who has a cousin, and who she's married to, she used to have nightmares about being married to. Oh, God. Like, when she was a kid. It's like, oh, my God, I had this dream that I was married to so-and-so. And, and then that's she who she's married to. Yeah. Are they happy? Um, I would, okay. 
I don't know them, uh, but okay. I, I'm assuming. I, I, I thought you knew. No, no, I, I just know that I know that story from my friend. Who's, Got that's, it. It's his cousin. But I mean, I, I, when they 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 don't they talk about her, I never hear his name mentioned a lot. I, even though they're still together, they have kids. They have a very successful company back in India. So the divorce rate is low in India. I'm well, I mean, it, it, it you know it's so cool. And I say, it sounds so bizarre that I'm saying it's, it's so cool. The last show I did in India before COVID. I was in Mumbai, and it was an older couple. So imagine, and this is how my preconceived brain is. I just saw an older man, older woman, kid. So I go, oh, okay, mom, dad, child. Right. And I go, so how long have you guys been married? And the guy goes, we're not. And I was like, what? I go, who's this? He goes, it's my girlfriend. I go, who's that? He goes, that's her son. Oh, God. Okay. And I was like, I go, let's stop the show right now. What is happening? And he's like, I was married divorced she was married divorced this is her son we met on through a local um it's, it's a it's like a volunteering group like they go out and volunteer like feed the homeless whatever okay they worked they volunteered at the same place okay and one guy's like hey you know he's divorced you're divorced but hindu uh you know very t- typical hindu family t- structure and, and he's got kids and they live somewhere else in India, and he still sees them and still takes care of them. They're about, at that time of 15, 16 years old, whatever. And uh, the kid that his girl, his girlfriend, was 22. And so okay. they, that's like his buddy. And they go to shows, and this time they brought mom. So that dynamic is there, and it's changing. But, yeah, the divorce rate for arranged marriages is low because the stigma behind it is, you know, what would people say that you're divorced? I'm like, I'm divorced. Okay. Right? Like, I, I was married. Uh, and I'm divorced, but like the, when I tell people that like my, that are my age, like Indian people here in town, it's like, so, uh, how's your wife? I was like, you know, oh, that's right, man. I'm sorry. And then the, everybody starts whisper talking. I'm like, no, no, we're cool. We talk every day. She's my buddy. She's my best friend. She's my agent. Like it doesn't get more LA than that. She's legitimately my agent. Seriously, man. <laughs> yeah. How are you living Hollywood in Texas? Because like, we lived in. Uh, she lives in New York now, but we lived in LA for eleven years. It's Sherman Oaks. Yeah, Sherman Oaks. Yeah, so, so is she an agent? Is that what her? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. So, again, welcome. Not to answer the question, but what brought on the divorce? You know, uh, she's nine years younger than me, uh, which is fine. But um, you know, she was was. I'm kind of set in my ways with stand up and being on the road and a road comic and. Uh, she was, she kind of like, uh, things were uh, growing for her. Like she was like, you know, I want to do like, uh, when we met, we were out very social. We kind of went out all the time and did, and she was in PR. So she was doing red carpets and right. we did all of that. She got into management, uh, for artists and it wasn't late nights anymore. So she's like, cool. I'm going to get into meditation and yoga, like five o'clock in the morning. And I'm going to do that. And I'm going to, and I was like, no, no, but I don't, but I don't, that's not something I do. I don't do. And so you do that. And then that turned into a lot of you do that and you do this. And then instead of us doing stuff together, we just kind of were in the same house, but doing things differently. Right. Because you guys so, had such varying yeah, schedules. Yeah. I mean, and, and then I was on the road. And so I'd be gone, you know, I'm in Vegas for a week. And then right after Vegas, I come home for a day to wash clothes and I'm in Reno. And then I come home for a day and a half and then I'm in, Boston and so and that's what a lot of people don't get like traveling comedians can spend you know you have 356 days in a year you can spend up to 300 of it on yeah the and road. some and some years have 365 days oh yeah I'm sorry uh, I'm so- <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna make the oh, high, that's gonna make man. the highlight real he just did bad math to an Indian yeah <laughs> see this is why we don't think you guys are funny 
Because the asshole comments like that? <laughs> no, but because like the first thing is like you correct the math is the funniest shit in the world to me. That, yeah, no, I that mean, is it's just, funny. You know, as as, mu- as as much as we were uh, together, and as much as we did stuff together, and we did a lot of stuff together, but there was a lot of like, hey, I gotta go, to, I gotta go do this. Well, I have work at nine o'clock in the morning, so I can't go do this. And it's like you know, well, we so got, you just kind of grew apart. Kind of grew apart, but we we did our typical stuff. We we still went you know grocery shopping on Saturday, and that was our that was our whole day. And we had our dogs and walked the dogs. And but when it was night, then I'm back out in the clubs, and I'm not home till you know one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. And she's up at five, and so well, I don't want to wake her up, so let me just chill out on the couch, and I'll just take a nap here, and then we'll go. And then that just turned into I'm going to sleep on the couch, and she sleeps. And, and so it just we were we just realized we were. I just woke up one day, and I was like, we're really really good friends. But I don't yeah. think, like, I don't think this is, and I asked very directly. I was like, are you happy? Because I'm not. We can fix it. We can work on it. We can, we can go to counseling. We can do whatever you think we need to do. Uh, to, my stomach's growing, so I'm sorry if you have to edit that out. Uh, but, uh, like, we can, uh, but I was like, you know, you can, we can work this out. Or, and we just kind of separated. And, but here's the funniest part about that. It just gets so much more LA now. We separated, but we lived in the same house for a year and a half. So, <laughs> so we still went grocery shopping every Saturday. We walked the dogs every single day. You were a very woke couple, man. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. And I and we're still like I talked to her today, and I, talk, I was talking to her yesterday. She's Australian, so like you know, she's in New York now. It's like the fireworks are gonna be incredible. And uh, but I talk to her all the time. You know, just catch up. Like, how's your dad? How's this? What's going on? She's my agent. She's like, hey, I need you to send in headshots for this. I'm like, cool. What's going on? What what what's happening? Um, and then, like, when she left one agency to the next, she was like, hey, you know, I already talked to them. You're coming with us if, unless you want to stay with this one. I'm like, no, wherever you go, I'll go. And so just as a thank you gift, like, I went and bought. I, I sent her money to buy uh, lunch for her and her uh, assistant. I was like, just get lunch. That's on me for as, a, as an intro to the, the new agency. Uh, but, yeah, books my work. And, and there was no, there, like, we didn't have some, like, really horrible divorce. And there was no... No splitting of assets. Like what you have is what you have. What I have is what I have, and and that was it. Like when we got when we separated and she moved into her own place, I moved her in. Um, like I was like literally carrying boxes into her new place, and people were like, so you guys uh, just were talking to neighbors in the in the hallway. <laughs> and they're like, so what are you? I was like, no, no, she's moving in. It's like, oh, okay, and you are. I was like, ex husband, how are you? Nice. <laughs> and there's the looks on people's faces. Like, is that is that are they kidding? I'm like, no, no, that that's my ex wife. But you're moving her in. Yeah, I just want to make sure she's okay. I bought her a stun gun and pepper spray because she was going to be living by herself. I was like, you need to have these things. And yeah. Wonderful human being. I just um, I just didn't want to have that. It seemed like a very, like we get along, but then it was, we were focusing more on, hey, you know, we need to do this for the career. We need to do this for this. We need, you know, you know, need more of a social media presence. So it's, it started turning into more of a business thing. So I'm like, let's not do this thing. We didn't have any kids, um, and so that made it a lot, a lot easier. And so, yeah. But uh, I think that's kind of a rarity in, yeah. in divorces. This is why probably the neighbors were freaked out, going like, what? "Oh, I have friends that are like, hey, man, is it okay if we?" I'm like, "We can talk about my ex-wife." Yeah, and I'll show a mess. I was like, I was just talking to her today, and so there's. I mean, I, I think it's, uh, the majority of people don't like their exes, but. Yeah, so, but I mean, I got into that when, when people, like, especially Indian people now, when they hear about me being divorced, like, they, like, they whisper talk. How are things? And I'm like, why are we whispering? 
I'm, so weird, right? Like, <laughs> it happens yeah, all yeah. the time. With the, yeah, thing, like, you know, but it, but it, here's the thing. Like, I remember, I, I know where it comes from because I remember there was a uh, my friend growing up. Like, I haven't seen her in probably 30 years. But my friend growing up, like, her mom and dad split up. And it was just a scandal. And the fact that she showed her faces, like, the mom would, like, who's now recently divorced would like be at dinner parties was just a scandal. I'm like, Oh my God, did you see she was here? I'm like, so she has to stop living. Like, I don't understand what the, like, what do you guys think happens? The guy wasn't good. They had two kids. It didn't work. They recognized it as adults. He went off somewhere else. Uh, I think he went to like Chicago or Boston or something like that. She stayed here and that's, this is where all her friends are. But she would show up to like dinner parties and people you'd see like the women like nudge like look and you see she's here. I'm like, what do you want her to do? Like I never I never understood that side of things. Like I never understood that. Yeah, okay, it didn't work. Well, but you know it's for life. Who said that? Like, like I don't know. Yeah, no. That's the thing. that's the stigmatization. I think more of it is like so much of it gets passed down. Yeah. Of like you will get Married one day, mm-hmm. you'll start your own family, da 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 like get old and like yeah. there's this mental projection that is fed to most people from a very young age of the ideal. Yeah, I mean I like kids and ki- you, you know kids love me. Like since I since I was a kid like ba- I've had a thousand times where babies will just walk up and be like pick me up. I don't know you dude and I'm just that guy. I just don't know if I wanted my own like and I know I we did like my ex-wife and I didn't not try mm-hmm. like we but it never happened and I'm like all right that's just that's the universe like call it, it god call it the universe call it whatever you want to like yeah. we just never it just never happened and we were together from 15 we got we met in 15 got married in 17 separated in 19 so and it never in those years nothing there was no scare there was none of this there was none of that there was just it never happened and so I'm like, okay, cool. That's the universe going. You guys are not going to be able to give whatever you need, to, the attention or the time or whatever it is. Uh, and it's probably not going to work out. Like we can already see it's not going to work out. So then you're going to have... It was a I gift mean, from the universe. 100%. And so... Because it allows you to have this relationship together now because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like people that don't have, don't understand the inherent complexity of a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially like... And do you have kids? I have three. You have three kids? I have three boys. Wow, three boys. Yes, sir. Wow, you have to feed three people. Four. Four. Yeah, that's right. You have to feed five people total. Which I'm happy to do. I know. I can I can see you have a beautiful house. You're doing, <laughs> doing, it, you're doing it all right. I'm like, I don't know if I like, like, I don't know. Like, what are you bringing? To, this is I, I talk about it on stage. I'm like, what are you bringing to the table that I have to feed you? Like, what are you, like, what are you doing? Like, like, what are you bringing to the table? Like, oh, I can tell you. Okay amounts of joy that there is no other way to feel no uh my brother my brother has my brother has three two boys and a girl and i he's not my biological brother i don't my biological brother and i don't speak but the guy who my mother called uh him her son but he's my best friend but he's got three and like one of them i'm like you're a champ like i would feed you like you would definitely get food like i would I, all you'd get all of it she's incredible the other two i'm like you guys might want to learn how to hunt like, I'm like, I don't know if I could. I don't know, man. All three of them are incredible in their own ways. Like, my middle one is so similar to you. Oh, is it really? <laughs> he started reading at one, taught oh, yeah. himself how to read. Yeah, yeah. I did, uh, my, yeah, same thing. By, like, age 
three or four, he had already memorized the periodic table of elements. Oh, yeah, this kid's, yeah. He, you just know he's going to be a comic. And he's always been a very unique, eccentric kid. Yeah, he's going to be a comic for sure. You're fucked in that sense. He's, <laughs> and he takes, after her, he takes after his mom more than he takes after me, thankfully, oh. because I'm not exactly Mr. Jolly. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm very much so just like a closed-off human being. Is that cultural or is that just how you are personality? Just how I am. I've, I figured out what the reasoning for it is. Okay. Kind of like from, you know, youth and growing up and there's a lot of shit attached to it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but my wife on the flip side is like, she's the person when she walks into a room, it's like a ray of sunshine comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 but, I, you know, if, if this wasn't a, a podcast and I didn't feel like it would be the same. Would be you and I'd be the I'd be like yeah what's up what's good like it, there wouldn't be any of this like this is for your audience because we're in, in essence still doing a TV show but I'm very there's a lot of shit again that comes up with with growing up in ethnic households that people don't talk about uh, yeah and so I'm I'm that kid too I'm like super quiet I don't say a lot like at home like every girl I've ever dated is like they want they do this is everything okay yeah why no you're just so quiet I don't have shit to say. Like yeah. I don't, I don't know what else you like. In 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 my house, my mom used to say, "Kids are better uh, seen than heard." So like you can be around, just don't talk. My mom, it, this is the ongoing joke. My mom was like, in in Hindi, she goes, "Do bolta bolta," which means you you talk too much. Uh huh. You talk too much. You talk. And when I was a kid, from from when I was, I I was on everybody's level. Like I like again, reading and writing, and and like at eighteen months old, I remember I walked across a four lane highway. To get cookies at Safeway, and then this lady found me. This is in a Bedford, Texas. This lady found me sta- sitting outside of a Safeway at six o'clock in the morning. Oh my God! With it's my just, shoes in my hand, left the house. Yeah, well, I left the house. Got dressed, left the house, and then was sitting. And mom, this lady came up. Was like, "What are you doing here?" And I was like, "I'm here for cookies." <laughs> and this is back when there was no twenty-four hour grocery store. So they're like, "Well, this place doesn't open till eight a.m." I was like, "Well, I'll just stay here. This is where my mom gets cookies." And I gave her directions to my house. house. Yeah. So yeah. you, she knew you were fine. Yeah, she was. My, my mom opened the door, and there's this lady standing there with me. And she's like, "Yeah, I found him at the Safeway, and I just handed my shoes." And but there is, you know, there is. Uh, but but again, super quiet and super. Um, yeah, but my mom said you talk too much. And one day, uh, when she was in the hospital, with uh, she had cancer, she had leukemia. Uh, and she was in the hospital, and it was it was one of the funniest moments because I just kind of looked at her, and she's like, "What's up?" And I was like, "Do you remember when you said I talk too much?" It's like, yeah, that's your problem now. Still to this day, you talk too much. I go, do you remember the what you would say at the end? No, what did I say? I was like, tell me. Was, oh, you talk too much. You talk too much. What did you used to say? She goes, oh yeah, I told you that uh, one day I hope they give you a job where they pay you to talk. And in the room, I just go, I did it. I did it. And she starts laughing that laugh. And she goes, only you would have figured out how to do that. Only you would have heard me say that and then got a job where they pay you to talk. Maybe almost like subliminally, your mom w- <laughs> w- wanted to somehow vicariously live. My that dad life wanted to be an actor. You? My dad wanted to be an actor. I know that. My Did, dad wanted. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My dad wanted to be a Bollywood actor. My mom wanted to uh, wanted to be a doctor. That was her her dream. My but, mom, uh, she she liked. She would say t- she would say that I could use uh, my stand up at uh, the bedside. She's like, you have a very good bedside manner. You can make all the patients laugh. I'm like, that's. Terrible. Have you heard some of my jokes? I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if you want these people to laugh at that. My dad, like anywhere there was karaoke. My dad was the first person in Dallas, first Indian in Dallas to start his own radio show. He, out of his own money. There was a radio station in Forney, which is a Christian radio station. And on sun, uh, Saturdays, on Saturday uh, mornings, he would buy the station 
three hours of their time out of his own pocket. And he would play all the songs that he liked. I was his co-host. And then in 1979, there was a place here in Dallas called the Ola Padrida. I think is what it was called. It was a movie theater. Uh, and he would rent that out and he would uh, get the print from Mumbai. And he would show Bollywood movies because there was nobody showing Bollywood. It was hard to get movies at the time and all these immigrants. So your pops is building a community here. He did. Uh, he did. He know, did, for like sure. Just getting Indians from all over. Hey, let's all watch a Bollywood film together. Yeah, so it would be... So the ticket price for... I think it was $2 per person was the price of admission. And then it was tea was a dollar. And two samosas uh, were $1.50. What's a samosa? You guys know. I mean, you guys, I mean, Persians, Armenians, like you guys, it's a puff pastry. Oh, okay. I think you guys put meat in yours. That's the difference. Yes. You put like ground lamb or ground beef. beef. Depending on which uh, variation you're talking about. So the, we have a fried one and yes. we also have a baked one. The baked one, I think you guys do vegetable. No, the we f- do that one usually with a, a mixture of different cheeses. Oh, okay, that's what it is. And then, but that one also comes in a ground beef kind of seasoned recipe version. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. The fried one. The fried one. No, the baked and fried. Okay, so the, yeah. there's both variations, but I know ours exactly is what ours you're is about. potatoes and peas. Um, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, it's fantastic, man. Sounds there's, really good. There's a place right down. I mean, not, not just take seventy five straight down to Beltline. They have the best samosas in town. Uh, okay. It's called Royal Sweets. Um, but yeah, so he would, that, and he made zero dollars. It was just enough to pay the expenses. The expenses of having a, a reel, a movie reel, shipped in from Mumbai, and then renting out. The, he rented out University of Dallas as well. Uh, he rented out their lecture hall because it came with the projector for free. Uh, wow. So he would do that. Um, yeah, same thing. Like he deep, like he fascinated by Bollywood movies. Fast Gregory Peck, um, Norman Wisdom from back in London, like. Uh, that's kind of the stand, the the humor uh, module that he had was Norman Wisdom, uh, Laurel and Hardy. Very dry. Very dry. Very, very different. Yeah. There's Laurel and Hardy yeah, right Laurel there. Laurel and Hardy right there, yeah. And Jamie Masada from The Laugh Factory is uh, obsessed with Laurel and Hardy. Like yeah? If you go, he has the largest collection of Laurel really? and Hardy. Yeah, if you go to the Long Beach Laugh Factory and you walk in, it's a museum as well. You go to the Laugh Factory in Long been. Beach. You, you have to go the next time you're back. It's almost everything Laurel and Hardy you can imagine. Um, that's so cool. Yeah, because that's what he would watch with his dad back in in uh, Iran. It's so funny these like small little threads. Yeah. Carry on into adulthood. Yeah. These nostalgia moments that we all have that are super unique just to us. Yeah, you'd think, and then you meet somebody like you, and I'm like, oh yeah, we had. I know, I know your background. You know mine, even though. Yeah. We've never had any much, uh, any conversation, but in theory, we could have been switched and would have had the exact, <laughs> exact same, same story <laughs> right now. Going like, eh, but yeah, so my shit. so anywhere that there was karaoke, my dad would show up and he would sing his ass off. And Bollywood was he any would, good? Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, so when I decided, so my mom wanted me to be a doctor, and same thing. I was you know pre med and um, really good in math and science. Um, and uh, you mean you know how many days in a year? <laughs> you know, some yours might have three fifty six. Uh, <laughs> the universe I come from. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Uh, but uh, I remember I got into um, uh, theater in high school uh, when football didn't. My football career didn't pan out. Uh, <laughs> I got, <laughs> you know, uh, the NFL wasn't calling, so I got into theater. And my dad's like, uh, my dad never missed a play. Never missed a play. He missed every football game. But every, he never missed a play. Never missed a play. And I'd go, why don't you come to my fo-? This is how Indians are. This is how uh, immigrants in general. I go, you know, all my other friends' parents are, uh, yeah, but your friends, they play. Why are we coming? 
to watch you stand there. You tell me when you're going to play, I'll come. <laughs> that was, and it makes sense now. I was like, why are we going to sit in a stand? We can't eat any of the food. There's no hot dogs and we can't eat any of that stuff. So why yeah. are we coming? But every play, and he, from when I was in junior, uh, junior in high school, every play, you're a very talented actor. You should, you should, and he tried his hardest. Like he would call people in Mumbai that he would get the prints from back in the day to show them, like, you know, my son, he wants to be an actor. And, like, Did you want to be an actor or was did, comedy yeah, always your goal? No, I mean, comedy was always a thing. Acting was a thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I was lucky enough to be, uh, I think I'm good. I think I'm a good actor. Um, have you done any Bollywood stuff? No, but I have friends that are Bollywood actors. That's the best part. So, you look like a Bollywood actor, by the <laughs> way. You understand that, right? Like my Instagram feed will from periodically bring uh, like a Bollywood film scene. That yeah, yeah, is just so over the top, so good, fake. Like a dude riding a lion on top of an elephant, oh, on yeah. top of a tank. Yeah, yeah, and he just like uh, pole vaults seven thousand yards yeah. into any direction wanted, and just blows everything up on landing. And you're At- like. Yeah. Wow. That's that's motivational. If yeah. Nothing and, else. And he calls that Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, if you research any of it, you're like, "Holy shit! Bollywood does more films than Hollywood." Eight hundred and eleven films a year. It's nuts, man. It's Eight hundred films, and it's so funny because where's the money coming from? I have to. I'm just oh, curious. there's a lot of underground money. Like the the there's there is a Mumbai mafia. Really? Oh, yeah, Indians have a mafia. Hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I stayed. So there's a there's a place in in Mumbai called Baikula. And uh, there's a comedy club that's about five, five or six miles away, but they put you up in a hotel there, and that's where like all like that's where the whole uh, underground scene, like the mafia scene, is. Okay. So like I've walked into like you know late night, you know it's India, so it's the Wild West. I walked in like late night, and there's a bar that's still serving booze, and there's like one dude with like it's just chain smoking, and like his buddies are over here, and you walk in like it's closed. I'm like, no, but there's people here. It's closed. And you're like, oh yeah. I forgot where I was. Uh-huh. So they produce a lot of, to, to watch the money, to, uh, to, to launder their money, they produce a lot of films. They, they put in a lot of Bollywood. So it's very, um, if you watch The Godfather, uh, when he has um, the, the singer, that he's, he's basically went to the band leader and got his contract. Yeah. That's a lot of that happens in India. So whenever you hear like Bollywood actors getting like shot at or having to have private security, it's because that's who brought them in and now they've cut them off. And they're like, oh, oh now I'm so, Yeah, so that, that happens quite a bit. But yeah, that's where the money comes from. And then private. But these guys don't fear being like executed? I mean, no, because they get government, because I mean, they're so, I mean, the fandom out there, man, is ridiculous when, when it comes to like them being fans of, go oh. watch uh, my, my, uh, my next guest needs no introduction. Go watch the one with Shah Rukh Khan. Okay. Go watch that. And there's literally every day, there's fifteen to 20,000 people that stand out of... Wait, Letterman did that with Shara Khan? Yeah. I didn't see that one. Yeah, I've yeah. seen all of them. Yeah, you think so. I just love look, that but series just, so much. If you watch the episode lineup, it won't have his name. I don't know what it is. But if you go, if you type it in, it'll pop up. Are you serious? Yeah. This is why I haven't seen it? Yeah. If you watch every season, you won't see his. I don't know what it is. Why but is he shadow banned in the US? I have no idea what's going on with it. But uh, I will tell you, 15 to... T- and I've seen this with my own eyes. 15, 20,000 people standing outside of his house and uh, he waves. He just waves and the place goes bananas. Why is that? Uh, because it's almost godlike. You know, Why? I, I, like, I get it. But you like, know, at the end uh, of the day, it's still an actor you know playing this. a role. You know this. Now, let me take uh, education away from you. Right? Uh, yes. Let me take luxury away from you. Most let of India take, is rural. Yes. 
let me take education and luxury away from you. And let me give you a box that shows you this guy who can ride an elephant on top of a lion, on top of a tank. You'll believe it. And you'll go, man, that guy is who I wish I could be. So I'm going to worship everything. There is a temple. There's a, there's a Bollywood actor who I've had the pleasure of meeting multiple, multiple times. He's a wonderful human being. Amitabh Bachchan. He's the biggest Bollywood actor in the world. I mean, he, there's nobody in India. He got injured in 1983, I believe it was, on a set of a movie. They shut down schools to pray for him. Wow. That's how big of a deal he is. So it's like There's sh- temples with his sh- just his shoes that he wore on such, such and such movie. That's a temple. And people will go in and pray. Like, that's what it is. So there is there is that. I like have that. to ask the question. Yeah. Is it possible that uh, some of your gods are just like the actors of that? <laughs> Where it was not acting, but it was some other portrayal of... Because inter- it seems like... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that's so good. <laughs> I never temp- thought of that, but yeah. You have temples to dudes now, and they're I mean, shoes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, elephant, forehands... Why does this seem like it was the comic book of yesteryear? Not yeah, to yeah, offend yeah. again. I saw it. No, 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 no. You're, you're, you're not. No, no. I, I get. I, I get it. No, but but, but it, it it is. Uh, it's a country that uh, appreciates. I mean, you can say this about most religions and their deities, and you know, like the Greek gods, and you know. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it's a country that uh, appreciates mythology, uh, appreciates uh, the the story and the structure behind it. So when you have. You know, if you go back and you look at the Ramayana or the Mahabharata, you look at all these these uh, epics that are in uh, the Hindu religion. They're all very, they're all very grandiose. They're all very big. They're all like uh, the characters are very big. The people are very big. The situations are very big. So they've taken that and put it on film. But yeah. I think you need that for, I mean, you know, you take the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, you take the Holy Quran, you take, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the Hindu teaching, Buddhism. A lot of the stories are huge yeah, and yeah. foreshadowing. And yes, I think the reason for that is because of what you go back to is yeah. education for a very long time was limited to, you know, what you learned in so your I'm, village. So I'm Brahmin, right? So I'm the top of the, so the caste system exists in, I'm top of the caste. So we were the ones that taught everybody. We're the scholars, so mm-hmm. we taught everybody, right? Yeah. So we're the ones that had all the knowledge, so we knew how to read and write, and we would teach everybody else. So we, that's where that comes from, and, and how do you capture an audience? Yeah, some third grade teacher at some point was like, you know what, it can't be the same thing. thing uh, yeah. Like, so Jesus has to walk on water this time, or something to that effect. Something you know to the I mean? effect, right? So when you go, when, when, when you're an Indian, you're, you know, and you're meeting with you know, the, the, the other Brahmins, like, man, nobody's listening to us. Well, you know what, let's... I don't know. I don't know if that's how it worked, but I've read and, and I've read enough and I've watched enough to where I'm like, man, this is like it's engaging now. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. So I can imagine the idea behind it. Like, what a great idea! If the characters are so larger than life, it draws you in. The lesson that you learn out of that story is the most important part. Yes. Like, I don't care if I have to tell you about a a a, a four armed elephant god who got his head cut off, but at the end of the day, it's always have your mom's back. Yeah, I was about to say that. Like the child was happy to sacrifice Fies himself his own, to protect yeah, yeah. his mother. His mother. Yeah. So if that's the lesson that you get, cool. Then here comes his dad, who's this great destroyer, and here's this kid who gets his head cut off and replaced by an elf, but he never let his mom, you know, be, be put in any harm. If that's the lesson you take away, then so be it. And like, I think the more deeper rooted thing in that sure. is when you become, you go from that boy to a man. man 
you will protect your, your family yeah, the yeah. same way. That's exactly you know what I mean? Right. Like, you can be at face level going, it's a stupid elephant, dude. But if you yep. think about it more of as philosophy that could be applied to your life, yeah. then yeah, I would espouse my three boys to yes, want yeah, to yeah, protect yeah. their mother. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't want them to protect them with their own life because right. I, I mean, my wife would be glad to give it up way before them. You know, sure, to sure, protect sure. Her children. Same, same, same. But to the uh, real version of that, of yeah. you know, protect your mother because one day you are going to protect your wife and, and your teach family that to and your, your kids. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's all. So that's what it is, right? It's the teachings of this. Yeah. And it's very, uh, you know, I say it a lot of times. Same allegories, and I say allegory, and, I don't, and when I say that, I don't mean to offend anybody. But it is. We grew up with. I don't know if you had Aesop's Fables when you were growing up. Yes, of course. So there. I see a lot of that in religion where like, here's a story about this guy that did this. What do you take away from that? Don't do this or do this. I take that away from every religion that, uh, that I, again, it's very spiritual, but I'm not abiding to any specific thing. Well, the but I take that away. Like, you know, there, mm-hmm. it, and, you, and you say you, you're three boys and it's so funny because in, Hindu mythology and Hinduism in general, there's a lot of things happen in threes. Like there's, um, uh, you had Shiva and his two sons, Karthik and Ganesh, right? There's the threes. Yes. Right? Then you had Ram, Lakshman, and Shatrugan. Three boys. Three. Right? So you start going through that and you see the, 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 the threes and you see how there's, power, again, strength in numbers and how everybody attributes to their own to that story and holds their own weight to it. So I see a lot of that, and um, and I and then and then you have India, which is very big numerology, uh, astronomy, uh, astrology, and, and then spiritualism on top of it. So I see all of that incorporated uh, in people's day to day lives, and that's very cool. You got the three boys, and like in my head, like they all were like bow and arrows, and like big strong kids. One day, like that's the that's the the thing I saw in my head, and I was like, that's kind of cool, man. You got the you got uh, your own little you got your own little military. You got your own little like you know your own little system here it's really cool and that's the thought in my head too that's yeah. probably the m- main reason we left california Th- my wife and i came here visited and we were like oh okay there's there's a good chance we can raise our three boys into three men yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and i'm i'm happy taking that risk to give them that better opportunity yeah yeah you know and i think you know uh, and i i i came from here to la and so for me it was different because you grew up with in in, in Glendale especially yeah most tremendous of my life. huh most of my life Glendale yeah okay so that's we joke about it all the time you've seen us do this on I've done it a thousand times the laugh factory I'm like I had the luxury of visiting Glendale I was just in uh, I've loved the luxury of visiting Armenia I was just in Glendale and um you know my buddy uh picked me up in a yellow BMW uh, I'm not sure if it was his, but he picked me up in one. Like we all do that stuff, very stereotypical, whatever. Yeah, but look. you grew up with an Armenian community. When I was growing up here, there was Indians in North Dallas, but Mesquite. It was me and my my family, and then maybe a handful here and there. So we had temple. So we'd go to temple on Sunday, and then I would see all the other Indian kids Monday through Saturday. I'm with white kids, blonde hair, blue eyed girls. That's why I, I find blonde hair, blue eyed women very attractive. I've never, I've dated one Indian girl and she was in LA and that was a nightmare. <laughs> I'll never do that again. But I dated one uh, Indian girl ever. But because you, 
that's what you perceive to be you perceive as a kid when your buddies are like man check out that girl she's so hot that registers in your brain you go okay this is what hot is yeah oh yeah right so you had that um i went from here there where i go to la the first time and the first time i did the laugh factory i just posted on social media like hey just got past the laugh factory it's my first night saturday night i'm on the midnight show it's my and it was packed full of indians i was like oh yeah i was like how'd you guys well we saw somebody saw it on your facebook i'm like somebody else saw that I was going to be here on my Facebook, and that's why you're here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we spread that around. I'm like, because in Dallas, I could go, hey, man, um, I'm at the improv the entire month because, and I'd be lucky if 15 Indians show up because the whole idea here is, I will see them next time. There, what what, what people in, in L.A. realize as far as the industry goes is if we show our presence, Hollywood will recognize that we need more of a role. Yeah, because... Hollywood is, and I, you know, we keep hearing the stupidity of like, oh, the Jews, oh, the this, oh, the, you know, the LGBT community owns Hollywood. None of that actually matters. Right. The dollar sign owns Hollywood. Oh, yeah, yeah. The and money. And the dollar sign will always be the king of Hollywood. They will yeah. follow that forever. So, to that effect, if there's an agent sitting at the comedy store. Yeah. Midnight and the night hasn't been going well for anybody. And then, yeah. And then, out of nowhere, eleven thirty, there's this line around the block for someone he or she has never heard of. That's exactly what happened with me. And that person murders because I got past the Laugh Factory on um, on a Wednesday. I performed Saturday midnight show. I had my first manager on Wednesday. No, sorry, it was yeah Tuesday. Tuesday night, uh, Laugh Factory. Saturday night, midnight show. Uh, Monday morning, get the call. Tuesday morning, meet with the agency. Wednesday, got signed. It was that fast. Because you, I just went on a hey, random midnight. Well, it, well I don't. I, I, I don't believe in coincidence. It was. It was a, a, do I. It was a girl that was here in Dallas that used to cover us. I don't know how long this podcast is going to be, but I'm having more fun talking to you. Uh, we can go as long as you like. Okay, so there was a girl here, who is now Matt Rife's manager. Really? Right. Yeah. Uh, and Matt's been a friend of mine since he was 17. I would love to get the guy on the podcast if uh, possible. I, let's see what happens when he, when he comes here. I'm, gonna, uh, he, I'm sure he gets inundated with requests. I do this podcast for a reason in Dallas. Yeah. I have no competition here. Oh, yeah, for sure. In L.A., I would be screwed. In New York, I'd be screwed. Austin, I'd be screwed. Because really big-name comedians are there. Yeah. And they have big podcasts. Yeah. And let's say it's you. Yeah. And you have a choice between going on... Joe Rogan's podcast, uh, Kill Tony, uh, Tom Segura. Uh-huh. Or yours. Or Brett Kreischer's podcast. Yeah, yeah. Or some guy like me in the Austin area that's just trying. To I would figure. do yours. You may think of it that way. But uh, a lot of people, and I don't blame them for it, look at, dude, I, there's a humongous bump I will get by being. Yeah, man, but the here's podcast. the thing. And, and here's and the I, other thing. Yeah. If you don't know the, the people I just mentioned and they give you that opportunity yeah there's no reason to pass it up because that can also open massive doors in your career as a comedian but i also i mean uh, i'm lucky because i don't have anyone that's trying to do an interview based podcast uh, until you comedians. until you see mine next week called no i'm just kidding <laughs> uh no, no I, I know comedians that do podcasts here but they have a really interesting kind of like dynamic or a niche it's like a group yeah. of them yeah it's not an interview show um 
but no, I mean, I'm always, I've always been a fan of the underdog, and I've always been like, I appreciate that. No, no, but here's what I'm saying: like when you're put, not here, you're not the underdog; you're the only one. Right. But if you're like, hey, if we're in Austin and and it's it's, it's Bert and Tom and and those and, and Kilton, like all those guys, and and you called me, I'd be like, yeah, I'll, of course, because my thing is like, I want I want to be that guy that went, hey man, I did I did his thing when he was you know when I, it was just. It was in, in a studio inside of his guest house, whatever. Now he's got this whole big place, and he's got doing this. And look at all the guys. Same Matt. I've known Matt since he was 17. And Matt would was broke and would take the bus. And I remember I would uh, I would take him a couple times. I was like, I, we went to dinner. I was like, hey, man, let me take you to dinner. Just, just BS with you, whatever. Right. And, I was, and at the end of dinner, I'm like, hey, order something for tomorrow. So you have food at home. Because I'm very much a Jewish mother like that, in the sense of I'm a very Indian mom, where I can't eat if I know you haven't eaten. Like, so, it bugs me. I did the CBS showcase. I got lucky. I auditioned for this thing. It's uh, 3,800 people auditioned for 20-some-odd spots. It's the first thing I ever auditioned for in L.A., and I got it. And we're at the Radford Studios for CBS back in the days, 2013, 2012 into 2013. And every day we'd go and rehearse. And every day, it was a sketch comedy show. It was basically a big showcase for uh, diversity, right? Like, okay. uh, my, like my class was Garden Sony, who is um, the who's Dopinder on Deadpool. And he's, uh, oh yeah. if you watched uh, the new Spider-Man, he's the Indian Spider-Man. He's the voice. He's the voice of that? He I was, saw it the, he, other, the, he was, the last, well, a couple of weeks ago with my kids. He's, yeah. He was my castmate on that show. Dude, uh, he is... Uh, the original Deadpool movie. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but like, I need to give this guy his props. Like, Garen Sony from Noida. His delivery. His brilliant. Is so damn good, man. It's so good. He's brilliant. We did this. We did this sketch where we were both tech support, and we have the Indian accent or whatever. And then when the ha- phone hangs up, we have regular accents. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, that was hilarious. They bought it. <laughs> like they they buy this whole thing. We're all from here, but yeah. So <laughs> I love uh, that. That's awesome. Yeah, and so, um, uh, like, he's he's gone to do Deadpool, and I think he's I think he's the only one. I know T.J. Miller's not coming back, uh, but I no. think Carden Sony is now. He's he's doing this. Um, uh, I forgot what I was talking about. Uh, about uh, a, oh, a thing you did uh, the the showcase with diversity. the CBS showcase. Yes, uh, uh, but what were we talking about before that? A bunch of stuff. Matt Reif came up. Oh, Matt Reif. Lunch so, so and, uh, food yeah, for the next day. Yeah, and so I would do the CBS showcase, and I'd go in, and it was we had to be there at uh, nine o'clock or ten o'clock in the morning, and I would stop at McDonald's, and I would buy like ten sausage biscuits, even though it was just me eating, but I would put it on the table because I couldn't, like I couldn't eat my breakfast knowing that they haven't. Eaten. So same like with Matt. So Matt this struggling guy who's doing so well now and couldn't happen to a better person. Like everybody wants to hate on him. And I think it's hilarious because he's insanely good looking. He's brilliantly funny. His timing is impeccable and one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in your life. Yeah. But like, and you want to Matt's just so him. good at self-deprecation though. Like he yeah, leans yeah. into that cute persona. He doesn't, but I, don't, I also, but I also realize I'm almost a hundred percent positive. He doesn't realize just, how, how beautiful he is! Yeah, I'm almost positive. Like we would, we would jump yeah. on it. But, but ha- so what happened was, is uh, I don't like I said, don't believe in coincidence. His there was a girl here that used to work for NBC Five. She would do the online stuff, like what to do this weekend in Dallas, and she would always she's 
Persian. She would always cover our shows. So all the Indian shows, all the Indian comics, all the Arab comics, anybody that was in town, she would cover and put online. She gets an internship at the Laugh Factory. Nice. From that, she goes to a host box office. From that, one of the floor ladies quits. She gets that. None of this is coincidence. When I saw her here, when she before she left, she's like, oh, I'm going to be an intern. I don't know where it's going to take me, but wish me, wish me luck. Best of luck. When I got to L.A., she's the GM of the Laugh Factory. Nice. So I had just She's got, the person to know. I had just gotten to L.A. when my mother was diagnosed with cancer. Two weeks, I had moved two weeks before, uh, and my mom two weeks later gets diagnosed with cancer. So now I'm going back and forth. She passes away in uh, June of 2012. Um, my dad's like, go spend time in LA, you know, now mom's gone. So you don't have to worry about coming back and forth so much. Take, uh, Christina, um, and I won't say her last name, but Christina, I take her to dinner. I was like, Hey, catch me up. I've been gone. And she's a really good friend. I was like, catch me up on the scene. Like what's happening? She's like, I need to get you into the laugh factory. I got to get you a spot at the laugh factory. I was like, all right, that'd be great. Um, what do I need to do? She's like, I'll call you when I get you a spot. Normally it takes years. Yeah, she's like Comedy Store Laugh Factory. Years. For people that don't understand, getting there, not just doing an open mic, but being like actually invited to do a set there. Yeah. Some people take five, ten years. Laugh Factory on average is four and a half. Yeah. Uh, the Comedy Store can be three to four. So it's a long, it's a long process. hard road. And so I got called uh, to do uh, a guest spot, and I walk in as Jamie Masada, the owner, is walking out. Nice. And so, and I know they record, so I'm like, oh, this is perfect. He's not going to see me. Um, I don't have to worry about nerves. I don't have to worry about anything. He can watch the video uh, on Wednesday or Thursday or whatever it is. He can watch it on his own time, and then uh, he can decide then. I'm on stage, and I see his, like, she runs after him and catches him in the parking lot. That guy I was telling you about is here. So I'm, on st- I'm walking on stage, and I see him walk back in. I'm like, oh, there he is. The man, the myth, the legend, Shane Masada. Are you and nervous at this point? Or are I, you still I start, cool I, as a I, I start, sh- my, my legs are shaking. And so I go, and I'm, I've got, I got five minutes. I got five minutes or six minutes. And I'm speeding past the first minute. And I know it. And I go, you got to breathe, man. You're going to pass out. You got to breathe. And I get a really nice applause break. And if you watch the, I have the clip, I'll send it to you. But if you watch the clip, you can see me go, Like you would see my body, like I inhale. can physically see you. You exhale. can see me inhale and exhale, and then I just kind of the panic attack goes away. And I think I'm cussing a little too much is the only thing. And I walk off stage, and uh, a buddy of mine who is there taps me on the shoulder. I'm not making eye contact with Jamie Masada. I don't want him to to see me. I'm not making eye contact. And my buddy who's from here, who's a great comic, Dustin Nabara. Uh, slaps me on the shoulder, goes, all right, man, I'm out of here. I'll see you later. And I go, all right, dude. And I look over, and Jamie just, with his fingers, like, come here. Wow. And I walk over, and I was like, oh, man, here we go. And he goes, buddy, what do I say? And I go, I know, I am. And he goes, I love everything about you, buddy. And I go, so glad you did. (laughs) I started to say, I'm sorry. Total 180 in your head. Total 180. I started to say, I'm sorry. And I went to, so glad you did. I pass you for all my club, buddy. I pass you for everything. You call, wow. you call tomorrow, you send your, that was, you know, whatever. And then, um, that was, yeah, August and November I'm headlining Vegas. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, what a quick rise, you know? Yeah. But I, I mean, but it was, it's not quick. I mean, years but it's of also, work, yeah, but, but it's also, but it's also when I said like, 
just putting it on social media and Indians making like just a presence known. So when I went from here to there, it was just such a culture shock because I wasn't like, they'd heard of Indian music. They'd heard of, like I had my buddy, my buddy Arsen Dalian, who's a great Armenian cat out and he lives in um, uh, Silmar. Like we're still friends. He used to see me at the comedy store. A lot of Armenians in Silmar now. Yeah. yeah. So he used to see, he used to come to the comedy store and then he followed me over to the Laugh Factory. I was, I, when his son was born, he messaged me. Like, that's how good of friends we are. Uh, he's like, yo, I'll pack it out, man. I'll bring the Armenian guys too. And he's like, yeah, you know who my favorite, Raj Kapoor and, then, and, the, and these songs and this. And I'm like, oh my God, people know about us here. Oh yeah. Here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, nobody knew us. So now when you, that's when I saw today when I walked up and I saw, I was at your front door and I go, you're Armenian. Yeah. I saw the flag on your front door. Yeah, you spend enough time in LA. LA, you'll, you'll, you'll see learn him, about it, especially on Armenia Day when you have them on the cars and everybody's like driving up and down in the valley. Like, yep, yeah, I see that. I'm like, but you went from there where that like to here, so I understand why that move happened because of where LA is now. But you have to understand, like 11 years ago, when I went from here to there, I was like, oh, this feels like home, dude. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, like it makes me cry every, uh, almost makes me cry every time I go back to LA. What has happened to the place that I loved so much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can see that, though. That's the thing. Like, when I went from here to there, I was like, oh, my God. I am home. Yeah. And then I've gone back, and I'm like, oh, man, what is going on? It's not the same, right? It's not. I mean, so when for me, like, when I'm on Sunset, and I'm going to the clubs, and I'm doing this, I'm doing that, yeah, it's the same for me. Because it's still the same clubs. I know the smell of the Laugh Factory walking in. Like, right. I know what it's... And I know what it's going to be. The show is going to be good top to bottom. It's going to be fun. It's going to be packed. But then during the day, like, I was like, oh, I got to go run do this. And I'm like, looking around, I'm like, yeah, man. Uh, I kind of let that... Okay. There's almost like... And people don't want to admit this, but you feel it when you don't live there anymore, especially when you live here. Yeah. There's like this aura in the air of despair no sadness yeah something's no, no. like everybody's getting my, my buddy comfortably numb with the situation that they are living yeah, in. yeah my buddy uh, is a bollywood actor and he's done really well here in the states um the first time he came he's like you could smell the sadness yeah he's like i would never live in la <laughs> this is years ago it's virdas who's this great oh, yeah i know virdas, yeah, yeah virdas is, uh, i met him when i was in india doing stand-up and yeah, uh, shout out to Veer Das, dude. Yeah, yeah. So I was telling Veer when I was over there many, many, many years ago. And I've done his travel show on Amazon. and But many years ago, I told him. He had him, a was special like, on Netflix too, right? Yeah, multiple specials. I think yes. he's recording another one. And Check he's, him out. He's, he's really good. He's really funny comedian. Yeah, he's brilliant. And he's a sweetheart. And him and his wife, wonderful. His whole team, his whole base, all great comics, all good people. But I was like, hey, man, you got to come out to L.A. And he's like, no, you know, I don't think they're going to. This is before he made the move over here. Like, or made the move to, to coming over here. He's like, no, I don't think anybody's going to get me. And I was like, dude, just come out for a couple of weeks. He's with CAA in India. you got to meet CAA out here. They're going to love you. He comes out here, and he's like, this is great. He's up in the clubs. He got Conan. I think the first week he was here, he did a little thing on Conan. Which CAA, for people that don't know, is the largest agency group yes. right, in the world. Creative Artists Agency. Yeah, yeah they, uh-huh. they manage pretty much everyone. Yeah, yeah. I was with them for, for a while, and. Uh, now I'm in a different agency, but uh, um, I remember Veer were at the Den on Sunset. Okay. And Veer's like, man, there's a, lot, you can see, there's a lot of sadness in the air. And I'm like, you have to understand why that is, though. Like, once you leave and you go back, you'll understand, like, people's dreams die there. Like, that's the sad part of L.A. That's why I left. My dream was dying. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. My so, dream was dying. 
So that's what, like, when I see, like, there's a, I, I have a great story. I don't know about anybody else's story, but I was doing this tour called the Pundits with Punchlines mm-hmm. because that's when, you know, they're trying to find, the gurus of comedy did so well, so people are trying to find their way. And the promoter of the show were, is taking me to this Indian restaurant because that's where everybody thinks an Indian. Com- early 2000s, I'm guessing? Early 2000s. And we're walking down the street, and there's a guy. We're on Hollywood Boulevard, and there's a guy sitting on the ground. And he's, I can see him. This guy's talking to me about, oh, you got to move out to LA. This is the scene. Blah, blah, blah. I didn't have my hour yet, like my full hour that was tight that I wanted to move out with. And I didn't have, I didn't think, yeah, sure. I didn't think I had uh, the contacts. Um, and so uh, I see this guy and he's rocking back and forth. And he goes from maniacally laughing to just crying. And I see it. And I'm like, wow. Uh, so as we're getting this guy's like, hey, man, you got to move. You got to make it your thing. You know, this is where all the this is where dreams come true, man, blah, blah, blah. And we are walking. Up and he goes, so tell me, man, why haven't you made the move here yet? And I go, you see him? And this is that kid that's rocking back and forth. He has a cup of coffee in front of him. And everybody thought it was a cup for change, but it was legitimately just coffee. And right. so like people are literally like walking by, like throwing money. And he's just got coffee. Like, luckily, none of it's like fallen inside of his coffee. I go, that guy left from wherever he was with, man, fuck this. I'm going to L.A. The band's going to make it or I'm going to make it or this is going to happen. All of these things are going to happen. Whatever. Screw you, small town. I'm out of here. And now he's on Hollywood Boulevard crying. I don't want to be that guy. I'll wait. I'll wait till the city invites me. And I've always said this about L.A. Uh, when I was leaving it, it was COVID. And uh, the COVID proved that you don't have to live in L.A. to work in L.A. Because right, you can yeah. do everything Zoom. I still, have, I still audition here. It's all through Zoom. Whenever they need me to come in, I just fly to L.A. Right? But I have the cost of living here. I don't have to fly to Los Angeles. But uh, I, what was I saying? So he was, yeah, I was like, uh, I said this. I go, um, when L.A. is done with me, I'm not one of those guys that's like, I'm going to keep trying to be famous. Like if you watch your reality shows and your spinoffs on reality shows and your spinoffs of spinoffs, those guys have a hard time not being famous. That's what happens is they get famous and it stops. And then now they're doing some midnight reality show that's on, you know, whatever network at one o'clock in the morning because they want somebody to still see them on TV. I'm not that guy. I said the day that LA is done with me, I will say thank you for, for everything and I'll see you soon. And when I was leaving, um, I remember I was leaving to come back here, but just the cost of living was so much easier. Uh, I was doing all my stuff on Zoom anyway. I'm like, why am I here? Well, the clubs weren't open. I was getting all this work in the Southwest uh, and the Midwest. I'm like, it's just easier to fly out of here, so I'll leave. I stopped on the 10. Hmm. The same spot I remember coming in on, I pulled off on the exit. And I just stood out and I got out of my car. And I go, man, that was fun. Thanks for the 11 years. I'll see you soon. Yeah. I got back in. You know what? Uh, your story reminded me of. I was uh, listening to an interview Tom Hardy did years ago. Yeah. The actor. Yeah, yeah. And he was talking about uh, Charlie Bronson. Yeah. The famous uh, prisoner in you know the UK calling him because yeah. he he portrayed him in a film. Mm-hmm. And Charlie was talking about, and Tom was going through a breakup and was just like in a really bad place at that moment. And yeah. Kind of tells Charlie the whole story of what's going on, and Charlie said something, and I think it really applies right now to what you just said is. Mm. He said sometimes you know, it was about a kid that got stuck in a ditch and water mm-hmm. was filling up and yeah. the kid died eventually. And he's like, you know what I would have done? I would have cut my leg off 
because sometimes you have to cut a piece of yourself off in order to grow. Yeah, yeah. I think so many people get caught up in the fantasy of the dream that will never be. Yeah. That they don't want to cut that off to pursue a dream that could be. Yeah, and I also think what happens is people get caught up in whatever idea they have or idea they've been sold of what making it is. Yeah. Right? I don't know what... Well, cause for for so me, it was it was one of my fraternity brothers from college. He's like, so what is this making it? He's like, he came to visit. And he's like, what is this making it? Everybody keeps talking about when you make it. I'm like, I don't know, man. He goes, hey, man, have you performed in India? I was like, yeah. He's like, have you performed in the UK? Yeah. Saudi? I mean, uh, D- Dubai? I was like, yeah. He's you like, made it, bro. He's like, I think you, if you hung up your boots today, man, nobody's going to say anything. No. And I was like, all right. And then I also feel like, People don't appreciate the moments they're in. I take pictures of those. There's a picture that I have. It's me, Dom Marrero, Jeremy Hotz, and Harlan Williams. Those are the guys I watched on Showtime when I was a kid. Some of my favorite people in the right? world. And I'm sitting at the same, and and I remember like Dom's like, hey, Raj, can I sit down? I'm like, yeah, that. And he sits down, and I look over, and there's Harlan, and there's Jeremy, and there's me. And I'm like, if you would have told 17-year-old me that you guys would have all been on the same show together, I would have laughed at you. So I stood up take a picture and one of the waitresses was like I'll take it I was like oh okay so I sit down and I get a picture and I I can tell you there's been a thousand times where I'm just sitting up watching TV and I'll just go through and I'm like oh man that was a good time that was a lot of fun like you have to enjoy those moments and I think people go well that's a moment to the next moment I'm like no but I really like for me I'm no. like I really like this one yeah like to that effect I mean if the 17 year old version of me that didn't wasn't allowed to go to film school yeah could see me now 20 years later going like dude you found your way back into this realm yeah how long did you get out how long did you get out of the you said you found your way back in 20 years oh yeah 20 years i wanted i always wanted to pursue something in the film and because growing up in la yeah i didn't know where i would fall but i wanted to go to film school to figure it out yeah so i wanted to do that but you know Again, you come from the yeah, same yeah. kind no, of background. Where I understand. You have immigrant yeah. parents. We don't know anybody in the industry. How would we ever break in? Yep. Single parent family. Very difficult. So, like, you go a completely different route. Traditional college. Get a four year degree. What was your degree in? Communications. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then what did you do with it? Nothing. I. Okay. En- <laughs> I ended yeah. up um, being really, really, really in debt, flat broke, not because of college, because of stupid mistakes I made. Sure. And uh, forced myself, forced my way into the healthcare industry. Oh, that's right. Same brother-in-law that I was talking about, like literally kind of forced my hand and be like, I can do that. Yeah. And he was like, all right. You know, nobody had any faith at that moment. Can't blame them because you're the black sheep. You fucked up so bad. Yeah. You know, you you like really ruined your life. Yeah. You're only in your early 20s. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, all right, whatever. And then you come through on it and they're like, oh shit, he did it. That's what, that's what, yeah. But that's what desperation teaches you where you're like, I can't get out of this hole and no is already in my back pocket. I can just keep knocking on doors until I get a yes. There you go. That's that, that's the thing. It's that immigrant mentality that like it go, it carries with you. Yeah. Uh, I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, it is that there's a, uh, but there's an back- inherent thing that's inside of us. That's like, okay, uh, it's, it goes back to me in the, the football thing and being in the underdog. Like, I'm going to play. 
Yeah. I'll quit, but I'm not quitting until I until I do what I said I was going to do. And then we'll see where it goes. And then I knew that I played my, my sophomore year of, of high school. I, I got to play. I got to play like cheerleaders decorating my locker. And nice. Like cookies and the, like I got that. You're the man. I got that. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I did it. I, I'm finished. I'm not, now I'm going to go pursue theater. But I, I, would, I would not have let myself quit. And that's the same thing. You have that tenacity and you have that. Because I don't, I, I can't, I, I used to do a joke about it on stage. My mom was in the war between India and Pakistan. She was stabbed in both knees by Pakistani soldiers. Okay. She was left to die. She wow. put tourniquets around her own legs and found her whole family. This is all 100% true. And I'm like, you can't, you can't complain about having a bad day to that lady. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? like, She'd probably no, show you the holes in her no, legs. She, she, she would, you'd see that, like, she would just be on the couch and you'd just see the, the scars? The scars. Wow. And like, in that, in my head, I'm like, yeah, who am I complaining to? Oh, I can't, I can't get into this club. They said no. My, I remember the joke in my head was like, you know, these guys in school, they're really mean to me. He's like, oh, they're mean to you? Did they try to kill you? I'm like, no, then shut up. Like, that's the whole thing is like, I'm not complaining to that lady. Yeah. So that's always carried with me. So whenever I think like, man, I'm having the worst day ever. I'm like, I, seven-year-old her pops into my head. Oh, and yeah. I go, she's had the worst day ever. For me, it's um, the equivalent of the, the what kind of reinforces and gives me power or yeah. uh, like you know, keep going forward yeah. drive is I moved to Texas with my family. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, there's fear inherently because, you know. Brand you, new move. You kind of like zero out everything that was your life. Yeah. And move everyone that's depending on you here. And they're like, okay, dude, you did it. Now what? Yeah. And I, uh, anytime like some sort of inclination of fear would come into my mind, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, but your mom left an entire country, country. yeah, alone with yeah. you, and came to another country. Granted, she spoke the language because she had a master's degree, and you know, yeah. English, English lit was part of it. So she read English and yeah, yeah. knew how to, you know, write and all of it. Yeah, but yeah, can you imagine the fear? And this is like the early '90s. You don't have Google Maps. You don't right. have anything like that you got a yellow pages yeah, yeah yeah so i like i always have that kind of like a, a, a forever loop going like yeah my oh yeah this is bullshit you, you you're still in america you're still an american nothing changed you just yeah. moved yeah my 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 parents have the same immigrant story right they're like you know we came to this country with 18 dollars yeah something my, to mom that effect. Like, my mom was like my, my dad had 18 dollars. my mom had 26 and she used to get so angry with me because this is the comic and i was like i said born comic like you know we came to this country, one suitcase, $26. I'm like, you lived in London for 17 years. You didn't sell anything? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> what kind of shit friends did you have that let you leave? Like, like, so where are you guys going? America. Do you have some money? $26. All right, see you later. Like, who are these guys? Like, yeah. I don't want to be friends with them. So <laughs> she would get some, but it's true. We had $26. i am like, the house? Nobody sold anything? Like that, but that's the thing. My parents, I think, knew they were never going back. I don't think they ever said it to themselves because they didn't want to die here. Both of them died in in the in Texas. But my dad, like a true American. But my dad, uh, my dad had dementia. My dad would like see certain friends like you're from New, De even though they were from here. You're uh, from New Delhi. Right? Can you please take me next time you go? I want to go with you. He wanted to go back, but I think. He knew he wasn't. And when the dementia hit, I think that came out. 
where you could hear like what he really wanted, even though he had forgotten who people were and whatever. He wanted to go back home. But they leave that country knowing they're not coming back. That's balls. We don't have balls. We move to a different city. We can always move back. Yeah. You can always hop. You can hop a plane and move back to. Oh, yeah, yeah. You I know saw what a I mean? family over there. There's an entire ecosystem that's still waiting for me. For you right there. And it's only like a spirit flight away if they don't cancel it. They left and the whole thing, like they couldn't move back because what you went there and made nothing. Yeah. Right. Because of shame. Yeah. So when people are like, so you moved back from Los Angeles? I'm like, yeah. Oh, man. What was that like? I'm still working. But I'll be honest. I impose that shame on myself right now. Oh, do you? Because you moved? Oh, yeah. Oh, then you don't have to do that. I No, I do it on purpose. Oh, then that's motivation. Yeah, yeah, no. Oh, I, that, I that's do it on different. purpose. I'm like, I don't want to take a step back. I took a giant leap. I don't yeah, yeah. want to take a step back. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's purposefully done. It's not like anybody's shaming me or would. It's just like I'm shaming That's myself. your motivation. Yeah, it's like... That's what I mean, keeps you doing don't your grind. Don't fuck this up. That's what keeps you doing your grind. And that's great. And that's always powerful. My, my, mine is my, you know, my mom, again, you talk, you talk too much. I hope they give you a job where they pay you to talk. I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to keep talking until they stop paying me to do it. That's, that's my thing. I don't know if I ever talked too much, but I was always a very inquisitive Same. kid. Yeah. Growing up, like I was very interested. I always in wanted to know why something. And everything. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I don't know, like outside of my kids and my family. Yeah. Nothing has given me more happiness or joy than this. Right. Just these conversations are just so, I enjoy them. I look forward to them. Yeah, yeah, So And I, and, and I was, you know, when, when you asked me to do this, I looked up the, the stuff that you've done. And it's so good. I was like, I'm excited to do this. I appreciate it. I you really know? do. Your name came up a bunch of times in previous podcasts. That I've done. Yeah. Like, there's a, a community of people here that know who you are. And they're like, yeah, yeah. you need to see this guy. <laughs> It'll I be a like, four-hour podcast. But <laughs> it doesn't matter. But I'm like, yeah, but he's unavoidable. I've been seeing this guy everywhere. I just haven't seen him live. So that's yeah, yeah. kind of one of the precursors. I need to see you. Yeah. Um, because it really sets up a lot in my head. Of what, the, yeah, you, you, were, of, you were at the I was at Banger DCC, show uh, a couple of days ago, I think. Was it a Saturday show where you were at? Yeah, it was the, not the late show, but the 7.30 show, I think. 7.30 show, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, that's not the one with the Reverend, was it? It was, the Reverend was there. Oh my God. That guy was amazing. I love that guy. Yeah. He's an actual Reverend. the other side of the... the Oh, that's where you were. No, I was actually, I'm almost always lucky. I try to sit in the back with the comedians because I take notes and stuff. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So I don't ever want to bother somebody on stage because I'm like, who's this douchebag with a pen and pad? Oh, no, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind, but yeah. But you know, some comedians, especially those that are like still kind of getting their bearing and are funny could be distracted by thinking, what if this guy's trying to steal my jokes or something? Yeah, the reverend was good, wasn't he? He was awesome. And he turns out he's a reverend and a Christian comic. He was awesome. Yeah, he was uh, he was very sweet. He came up and he bought one of the DVDs. And he's like, uh, thanks. And he paid with cash. And uh, I, I remember making the joke about uh, to him uh, about something about cash, like being the reverend. Like, you guys are always flush with cash. And then he paid me in cash. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's hilarious. Uh, but it turns out he's a Christian comic. Uh, as well. Is he so, really? Yeah. Wow. How yeah, cool yeah. is that? Yeah. But he, I mean, he and his wife were just dressed to the, to the nines. Yeah, yeah, Sunday yeah. best to so the whole deal. Yeah, that's what, that was the whole. I think I said I was like, oh, you guys are dressed because you know you have church in the morning, so you know you're gonna be. And he's like, I was like, and he's like how many churches do you have? He's like, I'm involved with three churches. Yeah, that's right. And he gave me his card, and he's a reverend. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if you remember or not, but like when you did the whole bit about seeing Jesus, yeah. you tied it into the reverend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was really cool because. Uh, I, that's why I like seeing a comic live is because yeah. there's always this dynamic of 
we share in a, a group versus watching you on a TV or on a phone. Yeah, yeah. Very different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And that goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of this podcast is it translates when you, good or bad, right? When you say, well, I don't like what he said. I'm not going and I'm going to make sure that nobody that thinks like me is going as well. Yeah. Well, that translates and it goes both ways. If you go, man, I like him and I'm going to make sure that everybody that likes what I like sees him too. You know, if we can find a healthy balance of that, it's like, hey, man, I didn't like that one bit. It kind of fell flat for me. I'm a, you know, I'm a Christian or I'm this or I'm that or I'm whatever, but I did like the rest of his set, so I'm still going to go. Like, that doesn't cut into anybody's money. That doesn't cut into anybody's bottom line. It doesn't cut into anybody's creativity. It doesn't take away from the artistry. But I don't see that as the comedian's fault in any way. I see it as being so tied to an ideology that when someone says something counter to it, yeah. that you negate to listen to anything else the person has I to say. I just don't know. You why know, do we do this? I don't understand. I don't know. Do I, you know I, I'm 47, I've, and I've lost both parents, right? And so I've never understood the outrage. Yeah. Like, I didn't understand. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Like, the life is short. I've watched them both die. Right. I, I, I know like I, and that's why I did, I, I'll post it uh, again where uh, I'll post it on Instagram like tomorrow uh, inspired by this. I say it. I go life's undefeated. If we can just laugh a little bit and have a good time because nobody's leaving this place. Because if you look at life, it's zero. It's billions and zero un, unless you what you believe in. Then it's one. Right. And billions. But it's it's taken you. It's going to take you. So have a good time while you're here because everything else, man, like I see it. I watched immigrants come from this guy. Like I watched my parents like struggle here and make something and, and then pass away. Right. You know what I mean? I wa- I've watched the cycle. You saw them fulfill their, the fantasy that was giving that my was, children a better life. That, exactly. And they've done that. And they did. In and spades. so, yeah. And so I'm like, let's all, let's all take a step back. And kind of see, like, where, where's this outrage coming? Well, I don't like what he said about this. Okay, well then, again, change channel. Yeah, you know that's what we used to do. My dad, my dad didn't like NBC News. He liked CBS. Hey, change the channel. I don't like this. It was one guy. I don't like that guy. I'm like, he's just telling the news. But he had another option. And yeah. so I got that since I was a kid. Like, just if you find another option for yourself. The other thing is like, if you actually s- stopped. Uh, you know, judging everybody because they don't ascribe to your ideology or religion or way of life, yeah. and hear other things. They have, we're so much more alike than we are different. Oh, and you might learn something too. We are like you grew. You know, you come from an Indian background. I come yeah. from an Armenian background. You know, if we had our family standing next to each other, they wouldn't think there's any relation you whatsoever. Know, and, and, and but and, there's so much similarity in the and, way we grew up. And the and the beauty of LA for me was. I didn't know what an Armenian was until you got there, right? Until I got to LA. And then like the owners of the haha in Burbank. Yeah. They're my, I mean, Jack and Terry and their son, Jack Jr. Those are my, that's my people. When I was working on my first special, they let me close out every night by doing 30 minutes so that I had my special type. The last like, time I was at the Haha, it was still COVID times. Oh, okay. And they were doing outdoor shows. Oh, in the uh, yeah, I did them. 
They were so I awesome. did those. I did those in the back. Beautiful on, on the hot patio. summer night. And yeah, yeah. I used to do those all the time. Jack would call. I was like, hey, man, you want to? We're just doing it outside. It was so much fun. Yeah, and some of the the comics would have to stand in the back because we weren't allowed to be because they were still, I think, still doing food. So I don't think they were allowed to like we were allowed to be near the kitchen. I know we went and it was like Latin night because it was oh, a yeah. bunch of Latin comedians one after another. Yeah, yeah. And they just murdered, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't remember their names. It was just a couple of, you know, a few years ago and they were like up and coming guys. But yeah, yeah. They absolutely murdered. But Rene Vaca, who's killing it right now um, uh, on the scene, uh, he's out of the haha. Yeah? Yeah, for sure. Really? Uh, I didn't know he's, that. he's great and he's a haha kid. And they were always so, we didn't always get along. Jack and I have always gotten along. Jack Jr. Jack Sr. and Terry and I have, have butted heads on a few things here and there. But at the end of the day, man, like it was like if I wasn't booked uh, at the Laugh Factory, um, if I had, if I, you know, somebody avails and I'm like, oh, Tuesday, uh, first place. I'm like, I know that's going to have a killer crowd and it's going to have a great response. I'm like, oh, let me hit up the Ha Ha. Ha Ha uh, was this hidden gem, dude. Like, oh, yeah. Such a cool little place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now, I mean, they're, they're still killing it. And then there's just so much good stuff that happens out there. But it was one of those, like, I wouldn't have met. I didn't know what an Armenian was. I'm like, all right. And then <laughs> Arson, uh, like I said, my buddy Arson and Jack and all those guys would tell me stories. I'm like, oh, my God, this is my childhood. Like, this is all the same stuff. And then that's when you find out what's relatable. And then I, I like, here, cut my teeth on black audiences, like the urban audiences that they call them for the club, but the uh, African-American audiences. Um, like, I cut my teeth on those guys. And I'm like, oh, we have the same thing. My mom, I, I open with, like, how many people in here got beat by their mom? Everybody yeah, raise everybody's ready. I'm like, so what's their weapon of choice? And people just start the joy of reminiscing about stuff like that, where everybody would find out, oh, I can't believe you were beat again. It wasn't like they were trying to kill us. It was, it was certain whatever. days. Yeah, certain, certain days. Certain days when you messed up bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I go, what was the weapon of choice? And somebody, and then we just all, and I go, how? And it's so funny because, again, I've had older black women come to me like, "Man, you stupid." I'm like, <laughs> and like that's the biggest compliment. Uh, that's the biggest compliment you can get from an old black lady. Like you, stupid. Because like, she no. relived her entire childhood yeah, and yeah. then her adulthood as a mom. <laughs> yeah, and laughed hard both times. Yeah, and then just then hu- they hug me like, oh baby. And I always get the you need Jesus. I'm like, right, I'm like, <laughs> she's like, I've seen him. I've seen him. <laughs> Cheers, Cheers to that, buddy. That was a well. That was well done. Nice. See, there's a comic there. Look at that. You're, you're going to be a comic one. I'm telling you, just keep doing stand up. You just thought that was the greatest callback to this entire podcast. I've never done stand up. Oh, you got to do it now. I don't, I don't, I, I've, ha- I've had this conversation with a couple other comedians that say, like, hey, you're doing a cop, you know, podcast interviewing comedians, but don't you ever want to be one? And I thought about it for a long while. Hmm. I like being on this side of the chair. Yeah. I think there's something that would be tainted if I was. On that stage. You know who did a great job of what you're doing? It was David Letterman. Yeah. He was a comedy store comic. Yeah. There's a great picture that is, uh, I know it's at the Laugh Factory um, in, I think it's in Long Beach. I know there's one at the Laugh Factory in Vegas. And I've seen the picture a thousand times. It was a great picture. It's Letterman. It's a guy named Tom Driesen. Mm-hmm. Who's amazing, and a couple other comics, and all of them are still. Well, the the, the I think one passed away, but Leno's still doing stand up. Dreesen still does stand up, and Letterman interviews them. And I'm like, how cool is that? Like, it's it's what you're doing. 
It's what I want to do. I find it so fascinating. And this is such a comfortable environment. Like, if this wasn't, you know, and your producer, I feel bad for, is going to have a hell of a time editing this. Uh, so <laughs> Reagan's great. I like her. She's uh, awesome at producing. Yeah, she's going to have a she's going to have a horrible time with this because it's so long. But I think you have uh, created a space that's so. It's comfortable, man. Like outside the headphones, because I, I have earrings, and it's like, ah. like this one's kind of digging. But outside of that, I'm like, oh, I forgot we have a time limit. <laughs> so I could we could sit here and talk about this till uh, till evening. So the time limit thing with me is, uh, it's a minimum barrier that I like to pass, which is 90 minutes. Oh, okay. Beyond that, it never needs to stop. I can always reset cameras every two hours and continue to record. Oh, okay. Forever. Well, then, then I have really big SD cards in there for a reason. <laughs> How does your audience feel about the... So, uh, I haven't gotten... I haven't done a podcast that's gone into the three-hour realm. Oh, okay. This one's probably going to go right Let's there. Let's do it. We've had two, two and a half hours, and if the conversation's good, yeah. people listen, people okay. tune in. I I don't have a big following yet, but okay, we're working on it. Well, what, I mean, we're going to plug this online, so... I hope so, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we're about to hit the 60,000 followers on Instagram. Which is awesome. Considering and I had 1,200 followers in February. Of this year? Yeah. So was it that video that went viral yeah. that kind of just blew everything up? It was a snowstorm, right? And uh, ex-wife was like, you got to get on social media, buddy. I don't know what you're doing. I mean, like, all these other comics are doing it. I'm like... So how long ago did you get on social media? When was this Oh, I mean, I started an Instagram page back then. I was doing memes and dumb shit like that. I wasn't okay, so doing... it was like 15, 16 when you guys were together, like way back <laughs> no, in the day. No. Uh, no, I mean, I... Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, so 17, I think, is when I started... The Instagram? Instagram. Okay. I think 17. Yeah. And I was just doing memes and just dumb shit like that. Um, and I had a meeting with uh, Barry Katz. Okay. So you know Barry Katz. Barry was at a show, and uh, he came up to me afterwards. I had a great show that night. He came up to me. He was like, I want to have lunch with you. I'm like, all right, let's have lunch. He's like, you got to, I, I want to rep you, but you have to have bigger social media numbers. And I'm like, no, okay, I'm a comic. We're about being funny. This is cyclical, right? This is, this whole social media thing is going to end because you guys are going to book all these guys that have all these followers. And you're going to find out they're not good, and then you're going to come back to us. And then you forget show business they still have to sell seats yep so now i i in january i went wait a minute she's uh she's kind of been telling me this i know the business side of things because my parents and i know the show side because i'm good why am i hesitant to cross the two and it is one of those well what if i get no followers what if i get nobody likes to this what so i was like you know what let's just go ahead and do it I was booked on a cruise. Uh, for, um, my buddies are all, a lot of my buddies are professional wrestlers. And so I was on this AEW cruise. We need to talk about this. <laughs> I know. Uh, so a, 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 a buddy of mine, Lance Archer, who is with AEW. Um, and then my neighbor was Brad Williams, who's the little person this comic. Oh, yeah, uh, okay. And he's big in wrestling as well. And so uh, we've been on tour together. Like, he's been touring, and I was his feature act. He's like, hey, man, do you want to do this wrestling cruise? I'm like, okay, social media needs this. I'm doing this wrestling cruise. They have, I mean, it's going to be a different audience. Let me just post this joke. Let me just post the Jesus football joke. Okay. And I had done it six months before. I think it was at 6,000 views. 
And this is how little I know about, excuse me, Instagram. I'm like 6,000 views. I mean, that's 6,000 people that have seen it. Right. That's pretty good. And so I take the same video and I put the captions on it. And I upload the video and my buddy, Josh Nasser, I don't know if you know Josh Nasser. He's a uh, 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 Jewish comic out of uh, L.A. He um, used to open for Pauly Shore. His name uh, sounds so com- com- Comedy store guy. He's got the, uh, he's the one who on Instagram does like, he pulls up to people in the in his car and is like, excuse me, what's it like being so hot? Oh, yeah. So, I yeah. know that guy. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that's Josh Nasser. I don't know him as a stand-up, but I know him better as the guy on Instagram. Yeah, he's uh, he's in the billions of, of views. How interesting is that? he's just so generous and he's always been such a good person. When I posted the video, I posted it because TikTok does your captions for you. Okay. So I posted the video and he called me and he goes, hey, man, take your video off Instagram. It has the TikTok watermark. Yeah. I I've go, seen that I before. I go, what does that do? He goes, it suppresses your views. Okay. He sends me the link to this app that will take the same video and just remove the watermark. So you can use the same captions, all that, have TikTok do all the work, and then this takes it off. I was like, all right. I'll do that. Do you know the comedian Derek Jack? I don't. He was on my uh, podcast. He's the current episode that's out. Yeah, right yeah, now. no, I saw the episode. Yeah, that's his name, Derek Jack. I, I, I need to kind of connect you two because he actually asked me this question the other day of like, how does he caption the... And I don't do it. My producer does mine yeah, in yeah. Premiere. So I, I, I need yeah, to... Yeah, please do. I, I, yeah, because so, uh, so, he wanted to... Because he's new to the whole social media thing too a so, little bit. So, yeah, so... Put, put me in touch with him, I and, and I'll show him how to do this. So, I appreciate that. Because Josh showed me, so it's a paying forward thing. Um, and so I was like, all right, so what do I do? He's like, just copy and paste, put this in the app, and then it redoes the, it redoes the whole video without taking the captions out, but it removes the watermark. Right. Like, okay. So I do that. It works. The first two times doesn't work. I'm like, let me just do it one more time. I'm falling asleep on my couch. I'm like, let me just do it one more time. Otherwise, I'll just figure it out tomorrow. Do it. But I have to adjust some of the captions because the grammar is incorrect. Just like it's missing a punctuation, it's missing whatever. And so I redo it and I post it on Instagram. And this is January 31st. Do you put any hashtags or stuff in it? I put all of them. It okay. Was, it was like 20 hashtags. Yeah. Which I found out you're not supposed to do. But really? Wait, I do that it's now. The, it's the, 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 for stand up for Instagram, it's whatever, it's three to eight hashtags. Okay. And you have to have a theme of recurring three to five are the same hashtags so that the algorithm recognizes it's you. Okay, I got and it. And then kind of kicks it. It's it, it's a long, I, and who knows if I'm right. I, I just heard from other people. Got it. So uh, I, I post it on February 31st. February 2nd, I'm. So January 31st, February 2nd. February 2nd, I'm going to be in Miami. February 2nd, the 6th, I'm in Miami on this cruise. I know I'm not going to have internet service, whatever. So. 31st, kind of put it on Instagram on 31st January. And it was at 4.30 in the afternoon, um, I posted. At 6 o'clock, I texted Josh. And I was like, man, I think you're on to something. He goes, what's up? I was like, well, I've had this clip up. And it's at 6,000 views. I took it all down, reposted it. He goes, where are you at now? I go, 16,500. He goes, and how long? I said an hour and a half. He goes, oh, baby, you're about to go viral. Oh, yeah. And I went, no, nah, I don't know about that. And I go, and what's what's considered viral now? 
because back in my day, I mean, 10,000 views was viral. Right. And then it went to 100,000. So I'm like, are we at 10 million? Like, what's viral now? And I'm driving to Miami because of a snowstorm. And I'm not missing this cruise because it's all my buddies can be on this thing. And Brad and uh, I was like, I'll drive to Miami. So we're driving to Miami. And the phone just ding, 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 to the point where it was annoying. So I turned the ringer off on my phone. And I would just check. I'm like, 280,000 views. 480,000 views. By the time I got on the boat, I was at a million one. Wow. When I got off the boat, I was at one, off the, the cruise, not off the boat, but off the cruise. Uh, there was like 1.4, 1.5 million. I was like, okay, this is great. Let me post something else. And I'm like, well, let me wait till I get back to Dallas. And that's when, from there to, from Miami to Dallas is when we got to 3 million. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I went from 1,289 is the exact number. 1,289 was how many followers I had on the 31st of January. And I was at 13,000. Right. I was like, oh, okay, this is wild. And now every, so I've had, I've added 6,000 since last Tuesday. Wow. So now it's, it's, it's roughly about that. And so it's just more and more and more. And I'm finally figuring out that if you can combine the two, if you can combine the social media aspect, the business and the show, that's where we're at today. And I don't think that's going anywhere. When I said it was cyclical, it was back then. I think now it's a healthy combination of the both. There are some people that only watch online. That's a fact. And they will only watch online. They're not going to leave their house. They're not going to go anywhere. They're not going to go to a club. There's 1% of the world is like that. Everybody else is like, let me see what I'm spending money on. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what we fail to see as artists, is them going, it's a trailer for a movie. That's why they put movie trailers out. This is our trailer. When you go, Here, here's, this, here's this joke. Here's what I'm working on. Now they go, oh, okay. Well, I'm, my tickets are 25 to 35 Right. Well, if I'm paying twenty five bucks, what am I going to see? Yeah, I want I want a little taste of it. Yeah, and they go, oh, okay, perfect. I'll pay twenty five bucks, or I'll pay thirty five bucks, or whatever it is. And the flip side of that is releasing, let's say, an entire special. Yeah. On Netflix, like the other day, I watched uh, Mateo Lane's. Oh yeah, no Mateo. Yeah, he's uh, great. Hair plugs and what is it called? Hair plugs and something. Okay. But yeah, he's 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 one of my favorite comedians right now. He's great. He's great. Um, and the reason he's one of my favorite comedians right now is th- that he has such a very interesting story. Yeah. And it's, he's had a varied life and he's done so much and kind of pulls it all together. Yeah. So he's awesome to watch. But And his energy is really good. His oh, yeah. energy is pretty up, uh, over the top. And it's, and it's also very, uh, when he does shit on himself, as comics do, it's so fantastic. Oh, the yeah, way like, he does it. I mean, the first 20 minutes, I think, is yeah. all about him getting hair transplant surgery. Yeah. And it's so fucking funny. Yeah. Like, it's a killer yeah. one after another things. But why I was saying that is, like, in any other universe, if Mateo doesn't put that on YouTube yeah. and doesn't have the Instagram following yeah. and doesn't do his buddy's podcast where they just kind of cross-promote each other, yeah. I don't see him. Yeah. Because he's probably not going to be traveling through Dallas very often. Oh, he was just here last year. So let's see. I mean, I, th- I know he's in Houston. But the thing uh, is, I if you don't know who he is and yeah. you're figuring out what to do on a Friday night, yeah, it may you may avoid because you don't know what that brand of comedy is. Yeah. Who's Mateo? 
you yeah. know, like. Yeah, but, but I mean, now, when, when we put this up, uh, when we put this episode on, you give me the little, yeah, we'll, we'll throw it up there. And I, I hope that, uh, and, I, and I'll implore my my new follower. It sounds so creepy saying followers. It's just, just friends, like my new friends and my new uh base like just to 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 watch your stuff because it's just and and i've done a thousand of these and i'm not going to bullshit you i wouldn't ever do that i've done a thousand of these and this is probably the most comfortable uh in your own space wherever your artist mind wants to go kind of podcast and it's very um it's the the environment's very appealing Thank you. Where I appreciate it's, it's that. very comfortable. It's very you're not pressed for time. There's not a producer over here yelling. There's not. It's very laid back, and I think you come from a place of wanting to understand and wanting to to promote and wanting to help, and that's such a beautiful place. And I think a lot of people are like, well, if I put this person on, then I'll get this many followers, or if I put this, many, I'll get this many views. And I don't think you're coming from that place. I think you're coming from let me make this a pure thing. And if people catch on to it, then it'll grow uh, organically. And I think you're on to something big, buddy. I, I really, really appreciate that. But that's exactly what the point of all of this was. Like, yeah. I didn't want to just... Because I've been at the comedy club where a big name person mm-hmm. has been there. I've left 10 minutes into that person's set. Yeah. And I would never invite that person onto my podcast because I didn't find you funny. Yeah. That's the whole point of all of this is dude, you made me laugh. So yeah. <laughs> let's talk about it. You know what I mean? Like that was the whole point of it. So. Yeah. I mean, and then we covered like from the Jesus football joke to, uh, ethnic moms and, and ethnic humor and, and, and you raising three boys out here in Texas and me finding a footing in LA. And we, we kind of span that gamut of, uh, of a lifetime that if given another six hours, we'd still be going, Oh, and then this, Oh, and then this, uh, and that's kind of the beauty of uh, every episode that I've done uh, at the end of it. It's always come to be like, I think we just barely scratched the surface, surface of yeah. who you are. <laughs> so like there's got to be follow ups to this and, you know, yeah. We'll do and then other episodes uh, and uh, things like that. It, it, it's it's never been a situation where I've had a conversation and be like, oh, yeah, I don't really want to talk to you again, again yeah. because it came from a genuine place. You yeah. made me laugh, dude. Yeah. yeah. And it's also it, it, and. For me, it's coming from a genuine place because it's it's watching somebody that knows the business from L.A. Oh, yeah. And then it's coming here going, okay, I like it. This is cool. I got to do this because people need to hear about these people too. You know what I mean? Like they need, they need to know these names. And so let me put these people up on something. And you can have, and it's so funny, you can have as many followers as you want and whatever. It's way different when you have somebody that's uh that's from where you went Mm -hmm. to get uh, discovered is not the right word but to 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 perfect or to kind of build on the craft and that and there that person's now here where you are and it goes no no i know what happens over there that was great oh yeah like i mean the cities i mentioned austin new york chicago boston la These are the places where it's cutthroat. Yeah. You know? And if you're a person that grew up with that influence of comedy, yeah. You like I, I say this all the time and people don't get it. It's like I don't laugh when the crowd laughs, I laugh when the comedians laugh. Yeah, yeah. 
and it, just because it's like I'm overly sensitized to it. Yeah, know, yeah. Try going to the club two or three times a week and not be a comedian. Sooner That's or later, yeah. your barometer of bullshit is like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh-uh, you're not funny. Yeah, you spend like it, when you have access to the store, and yeah. the factory, and the haha, and Hermosa Beach, and, and flappers, which and is flappers like in Burbank. A, it's yeah, a yeah. Sleeper That's place. right. Yeah, yeah. That's if you right. Don't by know you. about it, but it's one of the like Seinfeld worked out of there all, all the time. Oh, Leno I mean, I did. Uh, uh, I, I, That's one of the first clubs that ever gave me time. Flappers is an uh, awesome gem in Burbank. Yeah, that's one of the first clubs that gave me time. I worked with um, Cedric the Entertainer Amazing. when he was working on his Netflix special. So he was doing time, and they had me come up uh, and uh, do some time before he went into his. So he did. He got the audience warmed up, and then he went into his. Like he would do forty-five at the end. Okay. And that was the forty-five he was working on for his hour. So he's tightening it up before he shoots the special, and it was so good. Uh, and I got to uh, to go on right before he went up, uh, and so and that was at Flappers. I'm like, I would have never thought, you know, Seinfeld. I know worked on uh, a couple things from out there. I know uh, Greg Barrett uh, works on stuff out there. Titus, yep. Christopher Titus works on a bunch of his stuff out there. There's, uh, I know Kevin Hart did some stuff out there as well. It's a it's, different it, crowd from the Hollywood crowd because your Burbank's isolated. Yes, so. Everybody just kind of stays in Burbank. And Glendale's right there. Yep. And so you can just zip right over. And it's and like the Ice House in Pasadena. Yeah, yeah, It was, you know, it's one of those places where, again, it's not uh, Hollywood, West Hollywood, where tons of tourism, yeah, tons but of that's people. Where, but you got to be good to be good uh, at the uh, Ice House. Brad Williams, I did, I did uh, when it was him and Adam Ray, I did the uh, About Last Night podcast. And I'd been friends with Adam, but I didn't know Brad that well. Right. In that podcast, and he's like, hey, do you want to come do the Ice House? I'm like, well, how far is it from my place in Sherman Oaks? Because I hadn't done the Ice House. It's really far. And he's like, no, no, from Sherman Oaks, no traffic? It was like 20 minutes. I'm yeah, like, but when is it never traffic in L.A.? Oh, this was, so going to the Ice House was 22 minutes. Coming back was a wildly different story. There you go. <laughs> I did once coming back that was an hour and 30 minutes. Uh, so what was your exit off? The, were you 101 or 405? 405. What was your exit? Uh, Ventura. Okay. Yeah. I know exactly where you were. Like yeah. Right by yeah, the Sherman 405. Sherman Oaks Mall. Yeah, yeah. I could walk to it. Uh, I used to go to that P.F. Chang's for lunch all the time. And then there's Añejo, which is like the, the spot in Sherman Oaks for brunch. That was like literally walking distance to the to, to my place. Um, but yeah, I, and that's how I met Brad Williams and that's how I met this. And so the Ice House is another uh, sleeper gem as well. Uh, but but flappers was it? Yeah, flappers and the haha in the beginning was like, like this is where we're getting started because everybody's like Gabriel Glaces was hanging out at flappers and doing yep. his workout stuff there, and you're like, cool man. So what's the liberties that you get here? It's like a, as long as you bring people, as long as people come to see you, you can have as much time in that main room as you want, as long as there's no second show. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh okay, this is perfect. So I try to angle for that spot, and then the haha is like, you can close that every show. So. Yeah, man, you came from a place that understands the business to a place that has a great scene. And you're promoting people that I think uh, your base in L.A. that's going to watch the show, obviously, needs to see. There's there's a bunch of comics out here that they need to check out. That's kind of the the hope of all of this is. Yeah, like, to discover new talent. Yeah, there's so much good talent that's here. Yeah. So, you know, showcasing you, you guys gives me an opportunity to have these awesome conversations, get to yeah. know you. But it also said, it also has like, Hey man, 
if you ever wanted to know who I was before all yeah. the fame and stardom, because I know for a fact a bunch of the people that I've talked to will sell out arenas in the next decade. Oh, sure. For sure, they're on their way. Like, yeah, yeah. You can tell. Yeah, yeah. But if you want who I was and always will be, here, dude, I talked to Tom when like nobody knew who I was. I was just a Dallas comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have this record, this archive of yeah, your yeah. truth yeah, told yeah. by you. <laughs> and no one can yeah. screw with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there forever. Yeah. That's kind of like the point of this. And then there's another element to it that uh, I'd rather share off camera with you. Sure. Um, but it's a little bit further down the line, but it's it's the ultimate dream of this whole podcast. Awesome, man. Well, I look forward to another episode, buddy. I do, too. I really appreciate this. So um, tell people where they can find you uh, on so social all, media. So all my social media is uh, at Comedian Raj, all one word. R-A-J, not R-O-G. Uh, that's the joke about going from Raj to Roger. Yeah. Uh, you did that the other night. Yeah, it was funny. and that was uh, uh, my next door neighbor. Uh, till he till he passed away, uh, called me Roger, and I was like, and he, he it's Raja, R A J A. Yeah, but he had a speech impediment, so he'd say Waja. So and his parents like thought his parents thought he was saying Roger. Right. And so that stuck. And then the first time I did stand up, they're like, "Please welcome your first comic, Raja Sharma," and it sounded like Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I dropped the A. So anybody that knows me from twenty six back, it's Raja. And everybody 26 and up, it's Raja. The problem is like Raja. Yeah. It's hard to say for a native English speaker. Yeah, Raja. They, yeah. they just don't kind of go. They don't together. hit the hard J. Yeah. yeah. So Raj just is easy. Yep. And then you had a Raj on what's happening back there. old to come back in the day. So Exactly. Uh, so it's uh, Comedian Raj, all one word. So that's all my social media. And uh, just follow me and, and I'll be posting all this stuff. And whatever you send me, I'll, I'll hype this up. And this will be a lot of fun, man. Yeah.